Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is the Detroit CityCast with Dan Leach, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into your Wednesday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Lots, lots going on. The Super Bowl is less than two weeks away. We'll have lots and lots of time to talk about that today, mostly basketball, but also Tom Brady officially retired. Oh, and former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores is suing the NFL. So how's your week going? Because it's crazy. It's crazy in the NFL right now. And also, the WNBA, by the way, which I miss dearly and can't wait to watch again. Some news, Becky Hammond, we knew, taking over as head coach and GM of the Las Vegas Aces. But it came out about her salary that will be exceeding $1 million. A couple of things off the top here. First of all, congrats to Becky. Uh, well-deserved. And second of all, Elizabeth Cambage, who plays for the Aces, by the way, Becky's team that she is now the head coach and GM of, tweeted out, ah, yes, the WNBA, where a head coach can get paid four times the highest paid player's Supermax contract. LMAO. And y'all think I'm going to spend another season upgrading my seat on a flight to get to games out of my own pocket. Understandably upset because if you are as tall and long as the goddess Elizabeth Cambage, then yeah, I think it's going to be pretty tough for you to fly coach. So that I get. And also, third of all, just for point of reference here, Don Staley, who's the head coach of the women's basketball program at South Carolina, absolute legend, signed last year a seven-year $22.4 million contract. Again, college basketball, women's basketball here, but incredible program. So she'll make $2.9 million this season. And I don't say that, I mean, Don Staley, first of all, do not get it twisted, deserves every single cent of that. But just as a point of reference that Becky's going to be performing the head coach and GM position and make over a million. And by the way, when has having someone be your head coach and GM ever worked out well for anybody? But I digress. Uh, so she'll be making about a million. And then, you know, Don is making almost three million this year coaching college basketball. And then again... The super max is a quarter of a million for the women's basketball professional players. So just to give you context of this being just completely a mess and all over the board and uh, lots of people have lots of opinions and I'd like you to form your own. Just, just take that information and do with it what you will. In today's show, first things first, lots of NBA going on. The Lakers are in action on Wednesday, actually. Blazers at the Lakers. But then the Lakers have to turn around and play the L.A. matchup, Lakers versus Clippers, on Thursday. The Clippers, of course, coming off a really long road stretch, but getting a couple days to rest. We'll talk about that first. Then we will welcome in Tim Murray, co-host of the Nightcap on VEASAN, to talk all things college basketball, UCLA and USC. A big game for UCLA in Tucson on Thursday night. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook, starting with the Super Bowl again, February 13th. Man, do you know how mad people would have been? And by people, I mean uh, people in relationships that care about Valentine's Day, which I am one of. I love celebrating Valentine's Day. If this landed on actual Valentine's Day, it's Valentine's weekend. Nevertheless, 
Bengals, Rams. Rams are a four-point favorite. Total sitting at 48 and a half. So the total under getting a little bit of love because this is down from 49 and a half, down to 48 and a half. And I agree with the move. I think that we are going to see a pretty pretty fierce defensive matchup, but maybe this will keep going down. And then there's a play on the over to be made. I hate playing overs. I don't even know why I'm suggesting that, but I'll leave it there. And the NBA, of course, as I just mentioned, Blazers at Lakers on Wednesday. No line for that just yet. Thursday, Lakers versus Clippers. I have to imagine the Clippers are going to be favored here, depending, of course, on if LeBron James is playing or not. More on that in a moment. And as far as the futures odds, Clippers are 18 to 1 to win the West right now and 40 to 1 to win the NBA championship. That was 35 to 1, not but a week ago. Now down to 40 or up to 40. Lakers, 7 to 1 to win the West. That also has gone a little bit longer than it was before. I believe six to one before, now seven to one. And they are 18 to one to win the NBA championship. They were at 14 last week, so longer odds now. And it makes sense based on what we've seen. College basketball, real quick UCLA minus 129 to win the Pac 12 and 17 to one to win it all. They were 20 to 1 to win it all before that win over Arizona. And of course, another big matchup versus Arizona on Thursday. So stay tuned on that. USC 18 to 1 to win the Pac 12. Intrigue. We'll ask Tim about that. And also 50 to 1 to win everything. You can find all these odds at Bet River Sportsbook. Now let's talk about the NBA in LA. So Blazers, Clippers, Lakers, lots going on here. Like I said, I'll get into Lakers, Clippers in a moment here. I'll go into the Clippers and how they're looking, but they just came off an eight-game road stretch, and they went 7-2 and two ATS in their last nine. I don't know who this Clippers team thinks they are, but I love it. I love it for them. Also, six of their last nine games have gone over, including also one of those nine was a push. So let's say that that went over because it teetered right about going over. That would have been seven of the last nine. They've covered four of their last five more specifically, more recently. Um, but to keep in mind, sometimes something we consider with NBA handicapping is a first game back after a long road trip. Long road trip usually being maybe three, four games, and we're looking at eight here. But the difference being the Clippers are getting three days rest, Monday, Wednesday, and, uh, and Tuesday as well. So actually not Monday. They played Monday, but Tuesday, Wednesday, and then going into Thursday is what I meant there. So that's a little blurb on the Clippers. We'll get into their matchup with the Lakers on Thursday in a second. But before that, the Lakers have the Blazers. The Blazers, what is there to say about this game, really? The Blazers are 21-30 and 30 straight up. They're 1-3 ATS in their last four games. 24th in efficiency differential. That, of course, takes the team's points scored per possession and subtracts their points allowed per possession. Uh, they're 24th out of the 30 teams in the NBA. Blazers offense, 15th in points per 100 uh, possessions and 11th in effective field goal percentage. This is not the troubling side for the Blazers at all, even with all of the injuries they've been to. So I'm going to jump just into that to explain why this is so sad. It's sad for the Blazers. They're missing four players due to injuries that required surgery, including Dame Lillard, Larry Nance Jr., Cody Zeller, and Nasir Little most recently. And then, by the way, on Sunday when they played in Chicago, Robert Covington, Norman Powell, go UCLA, go Bruins, and Dennis Smith Jr. were all questionable to play. They did end up playing. Uh, they were active, but that game they lost, and then they played Monday as well versus the Pacers. But 
clearly my point being a beat up team all around and not really struggling with offense unless of course they don't have enough players that are healthy out there uh, the defense here's where the numbers are really abysmal 28th in opponents points per 100 possessions and 30th in opponents effective field goal percentage just allowing everything i mean blazers games when i see them come up it screams overs to me and you'll see really high totals for that reason Against the Lakers, all of that is going to come down to, for me, as it should for you, is LeBron James playing? Because lately, he's been, you know, whatever. Right now, it says LeBron out. It says out versus the Blazers. I'm wondering, obviously, it makes sense for him to rest up before they play the Clippers, if he's going to play versus the Clippers. I think he will. I think he will. Uh, but it does say that he is out versus the Blazers. So with that in mind, that kind of affects this a little bit for me as well. But maybe still an over is more intriguing in this matchup with the Blazers because I think that the Lakers' defense struggles with LeBron in. He's maybe arguably their best defensive player, but with him out, they struggle so much more. And their offense, of course, struggles, but they've found ways in games to kind of score some points depending on how Malik Monk plays, really. Russell Westbrook's been up and down as well. Anthony Davis finally back in the mix last week, but then kind of hurts his wrist. And he's listed as probable, but he's on the injury report. And Malik Monk, by the way, also day-to-day. -day. So, ugh, ugh. It's kind of ugly. I don't think we're going to see a lot of defense in this game is mostly what I'm saying. The flip side of that is what is the offense going to look like with Anthony Davis and Malik Monk kind of not at 100%. And I mean, still, it depends on the number here, but I would lean over because I think that that's kind of the only thing these two teams can bring to the table at this point. It's not going to come from the defensive side. Lakers, 24 and 27 straight up, 4 and 5 ATS against the spread in their last nine games, just really mediocre. And it's really sad. They're actually, we're talking about now, are the Lakers gonna miss playoffs? Uh, their most recent loss was to the Hawks. When you pair that up with the Timberwolves winning against the Jazz, that makes the Lakers a nine seed, which is one and a half games back from Minnesota and the Clippers uh, who are eighth and seventh. And also more bad news for you Lakers fans. They also have the hardest remaining schedule strength of schedule in the league of their final 31 games this season 17 will be on the road and 16 will be against teams that are above 500 which by the way the lakers are not a lot of this heat is falling down on the coach obviously coach frank vogel it's a little unwarranted in my opinion uh, at least as much to the degree it's been but it makes sense that it would fall to him he's kind of swung between offensive and defensive lineups they're kind of getting more down with this small ball thing when lebron's in but n none of them have been consistently effective so it's just really a mess for this lakers team right now that said it's gonna be i don't know a junkyard dogfight of offense versus the blazers uh in game for me i'd look for a spot possibly on the lakers but I, I, not really a game I want any piece of. And then as far as the LA matchup, Clippers get them on Thursday. The Clippers have the advantage for me. Yes, they're coming off of that long road stretch, but again, just about three days rest for them. The Lakers have played the day before. Uh, motivation factor. I mean, the Lakers won the last matchup, 119 to 115. That was December 3rd, so just about two months ago, exactly almost. Lakers were two and a half point favorites and that total was 219, but even that Lakers team back at the start of December is completely different than what we've seen of them lately. So with all of that factored in, 
I think that the clear advantage here is the Clippers. They're obviously not going to have a home court advantage necessarily uh, for either side here. But not knowing this number, I have to assume, it, again, it's going to come down to what's the situation with LeBron. That's certainly going to move this in or out. So keep an eye on it. I would assume he will play, not knowing anything about his health. I mean, knee soreness, day to day. But the Clippers are hot right now. They're th they had three double-digit comebacks that ended up with a win in that eight-game road stretch. And like I said earlier, they covered four of their last five. I think this is a good spot for them. Uh, it's tough because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are still out. Paul George, few more weeks is what they're saying. Kawhi still out, but ahead of schedule for his recovery, which I think is supposed to placate us in some way. But like, when are you coming back? And then Zubak is day-to-day -day as well. But the Clippers finally getting kind of healthy, kind of giving a rhythm here. Um, 20th in efficiency differential. That's, you know, they don't shoot a lot in the paint, but that's why you're seeing them have anything remotely near a top 20 effective field goal percentage uh, because they'll shoot the three. They're 25th in points per 100 possessions. So again, not their strength, but as of late, really been picking up. The Clippers defense on the other side of things, their strength, seventh in opponents points per 100 possessions and fifth in opponents effective field goal percentage. So same old story, Clippers defense going to do well. If anything, maybe an under. If LeBron plays, then I don't, uh, I don't know. would have to play it live for me to see how the pace of the game's going, how the matchups look. But I lean possibly under in this. It's hard though, because this Clippers team, as of late, again, their offense has really started to kind of get going. So even in their game versus the Pacers, for example, on Monday, I liked the Pacers, but the way the Clippers had been playing as of late in that road stretch was so good that I was a little bit put off about it. Um, but it was that final game of the road stretch and they did lose by six, I believe. So did not cover as a two point dog, but I think you can chalk that up to it being the eighth game of, uh, of that stretch. So it's the Clippers week. I think, I think it's their week. Uh, hopefully LeBron is feeling better and, and it's just tough being a Lakers fan right now, but don't worry because coming up next more basketball to talk about UCLA starting a four game road trip of their own on Thursday night in Tucson, big, big rematch versus Arizona and USC, of course, taking on ASU. Tim Murray's going to join the show to discuss it all next on the Los Angeles city cast presented by bet rivers. Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21. Playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 270 7117. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I am, of course, your host, Danielle Alvari. Very excited to welcome in for the first time on this pod Tim Murray, co host of the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can find him on Twitter, 1TimMurray. Tim, how are you doing? Danielle, it's great to be on. Uh, you know, you and I go way back. We were uh, we were together, my guys in the desert. Now you're uh, my gal out in L.A., and I'm still here in the desert. So, no, it's great to be on. 
but not originally from the desert. Where is that? What's kind of your background? Tell people too, because you're you're a former college basketball player yourself. Oh yeah, elite college basketball player. Uh, you know, me and Sean, we kind of <laughs> we go back and forth about accolades in college, because like Sean finished top ten in the Heisman, and you know, um, I. Uh, I once had eight points in a college basketball game, so you know it's it's pretty pretty comparable, uh, especially That's in the more than me. ranks. Uh, yeah. But no, DC area guy. Uh, for those who who don't know, um, you know the DC City Cast, uh, Frank Hanrahan, good buddy of mine. Actually, uh, as we get inside the weeds, I was an intern for the radio station he was once upon a time working at, and we hit it off. That was back in 2008, and uh, so it's kind of cool to see it come full circle, but. Yeah, I was uh, was doing a gambling show back in uh, in DC, and uh, and then COVID hit, and that dried up. We had no sports to talk about, and I was fortunate to come out here. And on the same press release that announced myself, you were on that press release as well. And uh, the rest is history. Now here we so are. we uh, we have been at Visa ever since. But it's been awesome. Uh, you know, certainly a, a complete change for me being from Washington, D.C., growing up on the East Coast, going to college in, on the East Coast, uh, living there my whole life, and then coming out here. But uh, I really like it, man. It's It's been great. And uh, obviously working at VEASAN and, and hanging out with Sean King every night, uh, can't, can't really ask for, for much more. Well, Tim, I want to ask you, too, before we get into everything, you host the Nightcap. That's a pretty late show. Now, we know with sports betting, so much is about timing. Do you find that that's actually a good slot to be talking about things? Because a lot of the games have wrapped up, and you can kind of start to look ahead to the next day, and, and everything's kind of settled. Well, as you can tell, I'm already drinking coffee in uh, the middle <laughs> of the day, because uh, I, I do some radio in the morning, too, uh, and have a yeah. little kid. But uh, I'm not complaining. <laughs> uh, I, you know, we, we, we work with people... Uh, who will remain nameless, uh, some rhyme with Chumans uh, that just don't sleep uh, ever. <laughs> uh, so I, I'll never complain about getting the sleep that I get. Uh, you know, it's a great question uh, about, you know, hitting the lines. I actually really like it for college basketball uh, because, mm. you know, I think people are starting to recognize or, you know, getting to college basketball betting now that football's winding down. Uh, those lines aren't like, you know um, – football lines right they they come out the night before so for the for the sake of our show having that fresh college hoops market because i'm a big college hoops guy uh is is really great uh and then you know one fun thing that we've done uh you know over the year of the show is kind of grading out the props whether it be thursday night football or monday night football or the national championship uh you know uh college basketball, NBA, those types of things, watching them unfold, you know, watching bad beats just uh, happen in front of our eyes. You know, <laughs> betting college basketball is, uh, is certainly uh, uh, not the, uh, the, the uh, easiest thing to do. Uh, <laughs> uh, no matter what side you have, it's just never easy. Like, uh, you know, on Monday night, I was sweating out. Uh, I had Penn State plus the points. Iowa tips in a shot at the buzzer. And I'm thinking, all right, here we go again. Overtime where the dog goes to die. And fortunately, Penn State was actually able to win the game outright. Uh, but no, that's the fun part of our show is us sweating out these bets and and trying to, you know, talk about what's happening and, you know, getting you ready for the Super Bowl, but also kind of keeping an eye on, oh, this college basketball game that I'm betting on or that hockey game Sean's betting on. So uh, that's kind of been the unique aspect, I think, of, of our show. And, and people have really kind of gravitated toward that. You know, they kind of feel the pain with us uh, as we uh, as as I am certainly one to do, as as you know, working with me, 
uh, Danielle, kind of, <laughs> kind of sweat it out on the air. I, I mean, this is in the nicest way possible, but Tim is one of my favorite people to watch lose a bet live on Twitter because his oh, Twitter God, is phenomenal. No, I mean it in the best way. No, it's, you know, and I, I think, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe I, there are people at our network. Uh, I remember sitting, uh, I was doing a show last, I want to say winter or yeah, sometime in the winter or spring. And uh, we were, I was hosting with JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel, our NBA guru, who's so phenomenal at what he does. Uh, but he, he lost a bet like in tragic fashion and just kind of nothing, like nothing ever happened. I, I'm the opposite. I, I don't He's know. numb. Maybe He's numb to it now. I, you know, you lose, I mean, you know how it is, Danielle. I mean, you, you are as, uh, you are, you know, yeah. competing at a high level at UCLA. I mean, you lose anything. You're just, you're mad. So, uh, you lose, you lose bet. And honestly, the ones that hurt the most are the ones that you talk about on the show. Cause you give it out. You want it to come home, you know, people tail you. Maybe people faded us. That's fine. Uh, and yeah. congrats. But, uh, yeah, watching me lose a bet on air or on Twitter, yes, uh, I, uh, I, I, don't, I don't hide my emotions very well. It's kind of always been an issue with me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's great. I think it's so much fun to watch. And that's obviously why I wanted to bring you on to talk about college basketball. But before we do really quick, I mean, Caleb Williams news coming out uh, on Tuesday, star quarterback from Oklahoma transferring to USC to reunite with Lincoln Riley. What are your initial thoughts here? Because I uh, it's blow after blow for me with these USC recruitments. I can't believe what they've done so far. Oh, I hate it uh, with every <laughs> fiber in my body. Uh, for those of you who can catch the, uh, the, the video of this, you can see over my shoulder we got so this is this is like the perfect situation, right, uh, of, yeah. of pain because you're UCLA alum. I am a crazy Notre Dame fan, and who are USC's two biggest rivals? It's UCLA and Notre Dame. So in that order, uh, <laughs> this is terrible. Um, you know, when Lincoln Riley was hired, I I said this is awful uh, because Lincoln Riley is a really good coach and he's a dynamic recruiter. I mean, look at yeah. the guys he was bringing to Norman, Oklahoma. This is no offense to Norman, Oklahoma. I've been there. It's a very nice place, great fan base. But L.A. is a little bit more appealing. Uh, they got those palm trees. You got Snoop Dogg. Got Will Ferrell. Bring those guys back in. Uh, and then, you know, the ultimate domino, which I, I, it is at the end of the day, it's really not that surprising. Um, mm -hmm. But it is Caleb Williams going uh, to USC. And there was, you know, there was some smoke that maybe he would be going to, to Wisconsin with Bobby Ingram, the new offensive coordinator who comes from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Bobby mm -hmm. Ingram's son is on Wisconsin. He played high school football with Caleb Williams. Uh, I think Bobby Ingram and Caleb Williams' father are very close. So there were thoughts, okay, maybe this is going to happen. But ultimately, you know, USC made too much sense. And you just look at what Lincoln Riley's been able to do with quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. They're all, you know, two of them were number one overall picks, two won Heisman trophies. Uh, three of them are starters for now in the NFL. It's hard to pass that up. And then you look at the talent uh, that they've been bringing in, as you alluded to, uh, with this, you know, with the portal. It's it's really been impressive uh, to see them bringing in. You know, you bring in Mario Williams uh, from from Oklahoma. You bring in mm -hmm. Jerry Rice's son from Colorado. You bring in uh, Bynum, a wide receiver from Washington. You get all these defectors, not defectors, just decommitments, I should say, uh, five-star recruits for the class of 2023. So, 
uh, the, the, you know, right now it is uh, it is cloud nine for USC, and it was as soon as they made this hire. I would just say one thing when it comes to the futures market, and this isn't me being a hater because I'm a Notre Dame fan. I think ultimately championships for the Pac-12 playoff appearances are coming uh, to the land of Troy. But Bruce Feldman tweeted this out, and Bruce Feldman is as piped in with USC as anybody because he lives in Los Angeles. He's a tremendous reporter, and he said, quote, will be fascinating to see if Caleb Williams slash Lincoln Riley can get USC into CFP in two years. CW is very talented, but I'm not sure people realize the roster Riley inherited. No doubt the portal helps, but they just went four and eight. DC Alex Grinch really has his work cut out from him here. I mean, that's one thing. You watch that team, Danielle, this past year, and they they just the talent's not there right now. No, uh, especially, especially when Drake London went out. Yeah, and especially when you look at the because what's the sizzle? The sizzle is skill position players, wide receiver, quarterback, corners, safeties. At the end of the day, you you watch Georgia and Alabama play. They got men up front. I mean, Georgia was rotating dudes up on that defensive line that (laughs) would be starters everywhere else in the country. So they're not there yet, but I think their schedule is pretty manageable. Uh, They open with Rice. uh, Fresno State is in there, and then they play Notre Dame at the end of the year, and then it's nine non-conference games. Uh, They don't play UCLA until the second to last week of the season. They play Notre Dame the last week of the season, and they don't play Oregon. So it's a very manageable schedule, at least it looks on paper right now, uh, for USC. And I think they kind of ease into it with Rice to start the season. I think they have an early game against Stanford, which Stanford's certainly been down these past couple of years. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's 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 a very exciting time for USC. But I would say let's wait to fire away on a, on a futures ticket for 2022. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it might take a little bit over a year, yeah. imagine, a coach taking over a new regime. Uh, but at least that's something exciting for them because right now UCLA is kind of dominating the basketball scene, which I love to see, of course. So let's talk about that. UCLA at Arizona. Uh, I was at, obviously, the Arizona at UCLA game, and I do not think that it went the way that a lot of people thought it would. UCLA won 75-59 to just about 10 days ago. Really, really impressive game script performance defensive uh, from them. They just did exactly what they needed to do to beat this Arizona team that was supposed to be a lot better than them, at least especially on the offensive side of things. So now UCLA number three in the AP rankings, Arizona number seven. Um, and Arizona's only played one game since that UCLA game. It was versus ASU, which is a pretty forgettable opponent in the Pac-12 right now. UCLA on Bet Rivers right now, by the way, 17-1 to to win the tourney this year. And 16-2 uh, and two is their record right now. They're ninth in Ken Palm. Um, I'm really excited to see this. They're 10th in adjusted defensive efficiency now in Ken Palm. They were 21st last week, so huge jump up for them, obviously, coming off of those wins over Cal and Stanford. Stanford made 13 field goals in that game. That's it. So huge, huge defensive performances, and also able to hold their own. Of course, you know, Stanford and Cal, not the best in the Pac-12 either, but pretty, pretty middle of the pack for them, especially pretty decent defenses here and Johnny Juzang and Jalen Clark have been out for UCLA and they've still been able to get this done so that said Arizona fans love to talk smack they were talking a lot of smack about UCLA canceling this game and dodging them and then UCLA comes and just smacks them in Pauly but now it's in Tucson on Thursday big big game what do you think we're gonna see 
Uh, I just I, before we get to that game, uh, the UCLA performance. I took UCLA plus the points in that spot, but I don't think I could have envisioned this type of beatdown. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned the defensive efficiency metrics, which is something to get excited about. You know, you know our good friend Wes Reynolds. Uh, he's an IU guy, uh, you know, but but follows certainly Big Ten basketball very closely and talks about Purdue. And Purdue's really good. But they're 91st in defensive efficiency, at least last time I checked. So, you know, it's really hard to win a title if you don't play both sides of the ball. I know it seems simplistic and you're like, of course, but no, it's, it's really that's the kind of the way it, it, the cookie crumbles. Uh, even those Virginia teams eventually kind of got up there offensively before ultimately winning the championship like they did a couple years ago. So, yeah, top 20 right now in both offensive and defensive efficiency, which is which is massive. They don't turn the ball over, you know, number five in the country and turnover rate, uh, which is phenomenal there uh, for this UCLA team. But, you know, what, what stood out to me uh, in that performance, Danielle, was the intensity defensively. I mean, it looked like a different team out there. And I think that's why, in my opinion, uh, they were able to have so much success. Now, you mentioned, you know, the teams that they played uh, weren't world beaters, but, you know, you're, you don't have Johnny Juzang due to COVID protocols, and you're still able to win both those games going away, covering in both of those games. So uh, it's going to be an interesting number. I think it's going to be a crooked number uh, in the sense of I think Arizona's probably going to be five or six point favorites. Really? And, wow. well— you know, they were what? I mean, they're they were, at home. I get it. They were what? A four-point favorite? Five? Four-point favorite? Three? Uh, I think it was at two. I think it was two. Okay, was so it? we're going to adjust that a little. Maybe not six. Maybe four or five. And I think it probably will get bet down because UCLA is playing so well right now. Now, you got to envision uh, Kerr, uh, their, their, their sharpshooter, is not going to go mm -hmm. 0 for 12 from the field again <laughs> and 0 for 9 from 3. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, he was awful, man. He was so bad. I actually, you know what happened, Danielle? I got cute in this game. I remember now. Man, now I get the bad <laughs> memories. You were blocking so, out. what did I do? I, I took UCLA plus, I think it was plus 2.5, and, a half, mm -hmm. and Arizona minus or uh, Arizona second half when they were down by 11 and a half. I think their second half number was like five. Yeah. So I tried to middle it. Didn't happen. Uh, credit to UCLA. Um, you know, I think that's that advanced thing... betting, by the way, guys, middling here. That's that's advanced trying to middle. Oh, <laughs> now you're just getting feisty. It's, a, it's like it's like the you know, it's like a mythical creature out there. If you could find that. <laughs> beautiful middle somehow and yeah i feel like every time i have like this big wide range like 15 points i'm like oh i'm gonna get this and then nothing happens you know it, yeah. it ultimately falls flat on its face but um you know cody riley i i felt like yeah him stepping up you know he's starting to shoot the ball a little bit better i saw uh, i think an article in the la times talking about you know, him uh, shooting a little bit better. I mean, Juzang, uh, prior to the COVID situation, was averaging 22 points a game. It, it feels like the fighting Cronins there are are coming into their own right now. I mean, so much preseason expectations, and I understand why, right? You bring back everyone. you got a five-star recruit coming in, too, to join the nucleus of a team that made a magical run to the Final Four and lost on a, you know, a half-court shot to Gonzaga. They're going to be preseason top five top three i think i even saw some people have them number one so feels like they're coming into their own a little bit and i do wonder i mean i i saw arizona in person here in vegas they played michigan and they crushed them and they got a lot of size but you do wonder okay are they are we getting a little too ahead of ourselves because you kind of dive into it uh danielle and and they're 
their wins really weren't all that impressive, right? It was That's what I wanted to ask you is people said before the UCLA game, well, Arizona hasn't played anybody very good and so we don't really know how good they are. Yeah, and I think and I think that's fair. I mean, you look at uh, you know, the metrics really like them. Uh, you know, they're top 15 in offensive and defensive efficiency, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, their their strength of schedule right now is 100th. Uh, I think adjusted it's like 93rd. So yeah, it kind of goes to show uh, they haven't been tested all that much. Uh, they're really, I think they're a really good team, um, but when they get tested, that's kind of been, um, you know, we, we don't know yet, right? Their, their win over Michigan we thought was really impressive. Michigan's been a disappointment. Uh, they beat Illinois uh, on the road. That was a, that was a really nice win uh, for them. Kofi Coburn did play in that game, so that's a nice win. But Illinois hasn't been all that great. They lost to Tennessee. That was kind of a back-and-forth game. I think they came back. And other than that, the Pac-12, as you well know, is kind of down, and they haven't played USC yet. So I I think this is a big measuring stick game for Arizona. Um, You know, the number, like we said, will probably be in that four to five range. Uh, So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how the market reacts to this. Uh, I I don't know about you. I don't have a great feel on it right now. When I see that plus sign on UCLA, I'm probably going to be intrigued. But I know the Mm -hmm. revenge is going to be there. There's going to be some regression. You're not going to expect, you know, terrible shooting performances like Arizona had at Pauley Pavilion. And, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, Johnny Juzang, um, you know, I'm sure you're more up than I, but I think he's going to get retested on yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday, hopes yeah. to practice practice on Wednesday if cleared, and he could be back. So, will there be any rust for Johnny Juzang after missing about a week? Yeah, and the good news is that he was asymptomatic, so it's you know it's not like he was recovering from an actual sickness. So I think that's a positive. Uh, but to your point about Arizona and being in Tucson versus Pauley, do you think that's a big home court advantage for them? Because a lot of people believe Tucson's a tough place to play, obviously. Yeah, I do. I, I certainly do. And, you know, yeah. it was great to see. Um, and I know Mick Cronin certainly voiced his displeasure, and I'm sure UCLA fans have joined in that. Uh, the fact that they lose the game to Oregon without fans. So it was great to see the fans were back, and it was a great atmosphere. I mean, I'll that ask you. That was the loudest I mean, I've heard the fans this season was that Arizona game, more than Villanova. Really? It was louder than Arizona? Yeah. Because Villanova – now, I had Villanova, and that was a disgusting loss. Uh, <laughs> but that atmosphere was phenomenal. So I, I, yeah. I didn't know if – so you're saying the Arizona game was better? Yeah. Well, student section-wise, I would say much louder, yeah. like even louder. So, I mean, yeah, Arizona always is uh, a difficult place to play. Um, you know, you look at uh, where they stand uh, at home. They haven't lost a home game. Their two losses this year have come at Pauley and on the road in Knoxville against Tennessee. And, you know, the games at home have been relative blowouts so far. Uh, haven't yeah. really been tested all that much uh, when you look at, you know, who's come in to Tucson this year. Um, you yeah. know, like I mentioned, you know, you beat Wichita, Michigan, and Las Vegas. Uh, the non-conference or the conference games: Washington, Colorado, Utah. Uh, those and, and Arizona State. Uh, those are 97th and higher in Ken Palm. They're all pretty bad yeah. teams. So <laughs> they've had a good home court advantage. But similar to uh, what we've kind of asked is, okay, they've got a good home court advantage, but who have they played at home? So you know that's the that's kind of the big question Same there. Question. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see how the market reacts to this game, Danielle, if it's going to move in favor of UCLA. My hunch is that the public will take UCLA. 
uh, especially if it's like north of four, just because, mm-hmm. well, we saw, you know, a week or so ago, UCLA win by 16. Yeah. I'm wondering if we'll see something similar to the last line. Maybe it'll be like two and a half again or something like that. But UCLA has covered four straight games so far. Um, after failing to cover, by the way, five straight. So it was like not covering at all. And then all of a sudden they've been covering the last four. So really a switch in that kind of situation for them as well. Unders hit in four of their last five. Arizona also five of their last seven have gone under. So I don't know what this number is going to be. For Arizona, their totals have been a little bit higher. They've been closer to the 140, 150 range. And UCLA has been closer to lower, you know, 140s or 130s. So I'm not really sure where we're going to see this total land. But I love betting UCLA unders because I love betting on this UCLA defense. One other thing about this game before I move on. When I looked at this matchup originally last week, Something that stood out to me was the age discrepancy, obviously. Arizona's very talented. They're big, but they are a team of freshmen, a Mm -hmm. couple sophomores, and a senior sometimes in the mix. And I thought, how big of a factor is that going to be? Because for UCLA, we talk about experience with this team, especially just even the tournament experience we saw that they gained last season. And this team really plays for each other, and and there's something they've really bought into McCronin, all of this. So there's that kind of experience level. How much do you think that factors in in this matchup? Because for me, watching last game... Arizona looked like a very young team in moments. Yeah, and it, it looked like the moment was a bit too high, big for them, right? You know, you're on the road. Yeah. That's why I think being at home certainly uh, will make things a little bit more comfortable uh, for Arizona. But, um, yeah, no, I think that's certainly something. And, and especially I'd be curious, too, when they come and hopefully when they meet in a Pac-12 championship game, sorry, USC, uh, at T-Mobile, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd be curious to see how, you know, Arizona obviously did play here already. It will be a much livelier crowd than what it was, you know, before Thanksgiving uh, for the Pac-12 championship. So that'll be interesting to see, too. But certainly the fact that they're a young team playing at home, you always feel like young teams are a little bit more comfortable in their home, uh, you know, arenas than than on the road. And that said, you know, UCLA has been battle tested on the road before. Uh, you know, they've they've played some big time games. They've played NCAA tournament games. They've gone on the road to, to tricky spots. You know, that. That win at Marquette that was kind of, you know, going away uh, before yeah. Christmas, that looks better and better almost every single day. I mean, going into five-star forum uh, and winning on the road, you're going to see Villanova go there this week. Uh, but, you know, that's not an easy thing to do this year. I mean, they have been catching uh, teams left and right. So to get that win, it looks better and better, you know, like I said, uh, more often than not, you know, beating Utah. No, it doesn't look great. They're not great in the, in the metrics, but they were down, came back. So... I think this uh, this this UCLA team is battle tested, and I think the environment won't spook them. Maybe like it, it it shook Arizona. Yeah, that's exactly how it looked to me. Obviously, um, but it's funny that you say you think we'll see them in a Pac-12 title game because obviously they're the favorites right now on Bet Rivers. UCLA is minus one twenty nine to win the Pac-12. Arizona is even money plus one hundred, and USC is eighteen to one. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about USC. They're at ASU on Thursday. ASU, like I said, not a huge. Uh, team in the Pac-12 right now. USC, though, number 19 in the AP rankings. They're 27th in Ken Palm, uh, top, you know, 45 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. But those have been huge drops for them, by the way. Yeah. Their adjusted defensive efficiency was around 20th, and now it's up to 43rd. Uh, so huge, huge drop-off for them. What do you, Has USC kind of met your expectations, or they've been kind of a letdown? Where are you at with them? 
Well, you know, it's funny because they got off to that such great start, right? They're 13-0, and 0, and you're wondering, okay, what is this USC team? And then and the futures market really didn't adjust all that much, and you're thinking, uh, why, why is an undefeated team not getting the respect? And they lose to Stanford. They lose to Oregon, which, I mean, that Oregon trip, how about that? Go to L.A., you beat UCLA and USC. Pretty impressive. You've been swept now by Stanford. So they have yet to play Arizona. They have yet to play UCLA, and they already have three conference losses. So I think that number that you mentioned at Bet Rivers being 18 to 1 might shock some yeah. people and might think, wow, that's, that's a great price to get. I don't know if it is because, you know, this is an 18 3 basketball team, but they've been swept by Stanford. Uh, you know, in conference play, their best win is Colorado. I mean, actually, Washington State on the road back in early December probably was their best win. Um, yeah. but yeah, they, I mean, they haven't played Arizona or UCLA yet. So, uh, those are going to be some, some really challenging spots there for, uh, for this USC team. And you mentioned, you know, the, the, the drastic changes. I mean, last year, uh, they make a run to the elite eight, uh, Evan Mobley, as we see now in the NBA, that dude was the real deal. His brother's still yeah. there. Uh, but just, he's not the same as, as Evan Mobley. I mean, the guy was a top three pick mm -hmm. for a reason and just altered the games, and those two guys together down low were, were so tremendous. So uh, you look at some of the metrics, and it's kind of <laughs> – you look at UCLA's sheet or Arizona sheet on Ken Palm or any of these analytical sites, and it's kind of pristine. It's all green. And then you look at yeah. – there's some reds on there, and you're like, yeesh, what is – what's going on there? So not a great three-point shooting team, terrible free-throw shooting team. Free throws, man. Terrible. I mean, they're awful. And, you know, last year, they were, I think they were, I want to say top five, maybe number one. I could pull it up real quickly and block shots. I mean, they were altering everything at the rim. Uh, I mean, they were a terrible free throw shooting team last year, uh, but they were, you know, number six in defensive efficiency, number two in two-point uh, percentage defense, number 24 in block shots. I mean, they were getting after you. And this year, they're good. Uh, they're still top five in, in two-point percentage, uh, but the, the blocks aren't there as high as they were. So, yeah, I, I think this USC team, we're going to learn a lot about them uh, the next couple of weeks, right? Because they play uh, on Saturday. They play down in Tucson, uh, mm -hmm. which maybe they're getting Arizona at a good spot. Let's say Arizona beats UCLA on Thursday. That's a quick turnaround, maybe a little bit of a letdown spot for Arizona. So they're coming in there. Uh, but then they play the, the following week against UCLA. Uh, they'll be at home uh, in, at USC. But I think we're going to find out a lot about USC in the next two weeks. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you here. But it is it is really, really strange to see them at 18-1 to 1 in this Pac-12 yeah. that it seems like on any given night, you know, a not-so-good team can beat a really good team like we saw with Stanford and that's probably also due to the fact that we've seen Oregon beat USC we've seen Stanford beat USC and we're kind of assuming that UCLA and Arizona could so right there you have four teams that I would put above them in some ways at least game to game basis so I uh I think it's tough because they started out with such a great start to the season and now it's just you know rough road for them but 50 to 1 to win the tourney not really exciting. No. Uh, but we'll see We'll see where it goes from here, and we'll see where that odds go, actually, after these Arizona and UCLA matchups. Where are the odds uh, for, for Oregon? Because they're a team that everyone, you know, I know they just for lost. Pac-12? Yeah, to win the Pac-12. 30 to 1. 
I think that's better bet than USC. I, I like that. Because Dana Altman's been there, man. He's won this conference tournament before. And the fact that they went in. He's why UCLA, they're winning now. Yeah. And, and, and I know I know that you know UCLA, there's a caveat there, right? They didn't have any fans. And like you mentioned, the, the place was jumping when Arizona came to town. So they were a bit fortunate. But they go to, I mean, they come here to Vegas. And there's going to be a lot of Duck fans in town. Uh, and they get a good draw. I mean, it's it's single elimination. I think 30-1 to 1 on Oregon is very intriguing uh, to win the conference tournament. That's a great number, too, in terms of finding value at yeah, least, right? Yeah, sure. Like, obviously, I'd, yeah, I'd I mean, love to have a UCLA look, ticket, like you meant, 30 to 1. I mean, there's a reason that UCLA's odds on at minus 127 or whatever mm -hmm. it was, and then even money for Arizona. Those are the two clear-cut favorites, but Dana Altman's done it before. And if you're, you're getting 30 to 1 odds on a – on a one and done. And and you got to remember too, motivation sometimes for these conference tournaments is kind of all over the place. You know, it's not the NCAA mm -hmm. tournament. Sometimes teams are like, they get to a championship, Coasting. they know where they're a one yeah. seed, Danielle, and they're like, eh, whatever. So I, I don't, I'm not saying that UCLA or Arizona are going to bag it. I'm sure they want to win it, but it, it, you've seen more surprising things than, you know, Oregon, who's already got a win over UCLA and USC and has won. You know, since New Year's, they've lost one game. Uh, granted, it was a home game against Colorado, which doesn't look great now. But, um, yeah, I think that's an intriguing look there for the Pac-12 tournament uh, for Oregon to win it at 30-1. to 1. All right, Tim Murray, one last question before we let you go. Uh, who's going to win this year? Is it Gonzaga's year? Who, who's in your front runner right now? I know you, you're Gonzaga at heart, too, right? <laughs> you love Gonzaga. It is, yeah. Family's Gonzaga. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, so my futures I have, and some are god-awful. Uh, I have Alabama. Anyone who wants an Alabama future, I'll happily give it to you for like a dollar. <laughs> uh, I got Texas. That's terrible. Uh, I bought Villanova hoping uh, – I thought I got them in a good spot. I mean, I'm not going to get rid of that one yet. Um, you know, I have really, really been impressed these past couple of weeks by Kentucky. Um, they have got the size. They've got the talent. They've got a coach who's won it before. Uh, and their odds, you know, I think entering the weekend, depending on where you looked, I don't know what the Bet Rivers number was, but probably in that 15 to 18 to 1 range. And now it's at 12 to 1. Yeah. So, yeah. Kentucky, though, I, I think Kentucky's got, got a good chance. Uh, I think Auburn has a good chance. Uh, you know, once again, Auburn, similar Kentucky. They've got elite talent, uh, they've got a, a number one pick in Javari Smith, they've got shooters off the bench. They've got a coach who's been to a Final Four before with this same program and Bruce Pearl. Um, so I think Auburn, I got them at 30 to 1. Uh, so that is uh, something I'm happy about there. Um, and then, you know, Kansas Kansas is a weird one. Uh, I have a future yeah. on Kansas. Uh, I really expected them to be better than they are. And not to say that they're bad. Uh, and Ochi Obaji, their leading scorer, uh, has COVID. So he's out for a little bit. Uh, so depending on when you listen to this, they might have lost to Iowa State. I don't know. We'll see what that happens. But um, I think Kansas, with the talent that they have, a Hall of Fame coach and Bill Self, I wouldn't count them out just yet because they are going to be battle-tested, man. I mean, that team is going through the ringer uh, right now in the Big 12. So I like Kansas. I just – the Remy Martin situation. So for those who don't know, Remy Martin, uh, the transfer from Arizona State, was the preseason Big 12 player of the year, Danielle, 
and he comes off the bench and plays like 10 minutes a game. I don't know what is going on there uh, with them. David McCormick, their big guy, has kind of been all over the map. So I, I feel like if they can put it together, I believe that Kansas is the best team in the country. I just don't know if they're going to put it together. Uh, but they've got they've got guys. I mean, Wilson, Jalen Wilson's legit. Uh, Christian Braun is is the real deal. Uh, Ochi Obaji probably going to be Big 12 Player of the Year. So they got the talent. I just want to know if they're going to put it together. So I think Kansas, if that thing drops at all, I think it could be worth a look. If you get back into the teens, I think Kansas might be worth grabbing a future on. Yeah, right now in Bat Rivers, both Kentucky and Kansas, 12-1 to 1 is the odds right now. But thank you so much, of course, to Tim Murray. We're going to bring him back on a little bit later. After we see how USC looks against Arizona, UCLA again, we have a lot more uh, action to discuss after. But he's the co-host of the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. So you can find him on Twitter at 1TimMurray. Tim, thank you so much for your time. Danielle, always a pleasure. And thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I'll be back for more fun games on Friday. Until then, have some fun betting. Uh, and come on back for more of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers.